Wine Monk, Arizona Wine Podcast by Cody Vladimir Burkett. Hey guys, I'm Cody, the Arizona Wine Monk. I'm here tonight for a secret opening shindig at the Vineyards Bed and Breakfast here in beautiful Page Springs. I'm here with the fine folks behind the Oddity Wine Cellar. Collective! My bad, Odyssey Wine Collective. Uh, Oddity! Shit. <laughs> Actually, I think we should keep that in. <laughs> Oddity Wine Collective. Yay! I'm a little slow, guys. You all know this. So if we could all introduce ourselves counterclockwise. I'm David Baird with the Oddity Wine Collective. Nice to meet you, David. <laughs> I'm Tamberla, the one of the owners at the Vineyards Bed and Breakfast. I'm Bruce, the other owner at the Vineyards Bed and Breakfast. I'm with Tamberla. I'm Jeff. I'm a wine god with Sedona Wine Adventures <laughs> here with my wife, Terry. I'm Terry. I'm one of these from England, and this is my husband, Marty. Yeah. Uh, and we're staying at the, the vineyard. Where in England are you guys from, by the way? I love the way she says it. Okay. <laughs> so, um, we're a bit wine connoisseurs ourselves. Yeah, that, that's one of England's wine areas, isn't it? No. No. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Shows you how much I know about English wine, which is nothing. Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, that's right. I'm Aaron with the Oddity Wine Collective. I'm Bree. I'm with Aaron and the Oddity Wine Collective. <laughs> I'm Shell, I'm with the Oddity Wine Collective, and Dave's wife. And you all know me, clearly. I'm assuming at this point. So we're starting off with the Changeling. I have not tried this yet, and this is actually the first time they've tried their wine since it was uh, in barrel. So, first bottling. Woohoo! So, Gummer Jaws! Gummer Jaws! Cheers. Which was the translation, if you were wondering. Reminds me of a really nice white burgundy mm. in a lot of ways. This is a good hot tub wine. Mm-hmm. So we should Are expe- you going to leave me several bottles tonight? <laughs> We're hosting this shindig. <laughs> or alternately, we need to all drain into the hot tub. Oh, yeah. fuck. Why didn't we all record this in the hot tub? I don't know. <laughs> the hot the, tub the, wine the, podcast. The, 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 the sequel? The sequel. Well, we need Alyssa's band for that because they're the Desert Hot Tub Club. Yes. Right? They should play our secret shindig party. So anyway, the blend for this is... Yeah. I can't read this. This is too dark. 76% Riesling, 24% Viognier. Any oak? Isn't that the other no. way around? No, it's not. No. Oh, there it <laughs> Never is. Never mind. So, by the way, they've got these really cool thick bottles. Uh, silk screen printing. You could definitely hit someone over the head over this, with this bottle and it wouldn't break. Which <laughs> okay. is exactly what I look for in a wine bottle. <laughs> 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 how, many, how many people did you knock out while you were testing? It only took a couple. Okay. Just a few. <laughs> Oh, well, I, I'm assuming that they're fertilizing the vineyard. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what's the origins of the Oddity Wine Collective? Don't everybody just all speak up at once. I would say whiskey at the 1012. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Maybe Yavapai College. I guess Yavapai College is probably the 
the, the, the origin. Uh, but yeah, no, the, the three of us tend to spend a lot of time uh, commiserating at the, the 1012 Lounge in Clarkdale. And, um, over whiskey. <laughs> over whiskey, not wine. <laughs> and uh, that's, that's how we all kind of met. Uh, of course, we were all students together as well, uh, but we started to form a the collective, if you will, uh, uh, as, as friends hanging out. I also, of course, I'm dating Bree, and I, I at the time worked full time for Dave, so uh, we saw each other all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, the, you know the way I remember it uh, is is just like that, but. Um, even before that, I mean, the first day I met Aaron was in the vineyard at Yavapai College, and um, I had never met anybody that knew right away. I mean, his answer for me was, I'm going to be a winemaker. I will I will be making wine. And I just said, oh, I've, I've worked in some cellars. I can, I can come and clean stuff for you. And then, uh, you know, we, we worked together. We, we built this relationship, and... and uh, then when, you know, with, with working at a co-op, and, and that's where we do produce our wine is 4-8 Wine Works, um, an opening became available, and the owner of the, of the cooperative, Maynard Keenan, you know, when I asked him as his tasting room manager, you know, what happens when Chateau Tumbleweed leaves, you know, what happens with 25% of my stock, because that's a concern, they, he said, well, you do it. <laughs> Uh, and I, like, I can picture I'd that. I almost in passing kind of mentioned it to Aaron and, and Bree, and then they were both like, well, let's do it. And then I was the one that was, I don't know, that sounds ridiculous. And I went home, and my wife told me to quit being a wussy about it and just do it. <laughs> so um, that's when I called Aaron and Bree and said, my wife thinks we should do it. And then we did it. So, good job, guys. It sounds a little bit more like an orgy than a wine collective. <laughs> the oddity wine orgy. That's going to have to be a side note. The sweet wines. <laughs> there we go. Penny droppers. Everyone's, oh, yeah. For some reason calls them that. For the uh, record, the Vineyard's Bed and Breakfast does not condone such actions. <laughs> yes. yeah. Officially, yeah. officially, the Arizona Wine Monk being a concert acolyte in the Greek Orthodox Church doesn't either. Wink, wink. <laughs> Unless you invite me. <laughs> I mean, anyway, we're, we're sidetracking here. Horribly off the rails, like my podcast tend to do. But rarely this early. <laughs> so uh, what was the first fruit that you guys got? Um, Change the Viognier in this, actually. Yep, the Viognier in the Chase so what were you looking for specifically for in terms of fruit choices? Did were you aiming for whatever was available or did you have yeah. specific ideas? <laughs> okay. Yeah, you know, when, I mean, you're, when you're the new kids on the block, it's it's we wanted to choose quality over, you know, just being able to pick and choose our stuff, you know, and, and luckily we have Aaron in the vineyard and he knows these growers and we were able to reach out to uh, you know a few people and and we got to pick our vineyards. We didn't get to pick the fruit. It was essentially, you know, hey, what can we get from from these sites? And this is what we got, and we're, we're happy with it. So, who were kind of the the people on your top list? Uh, so last year, all of our fruit came from two vineyards, um, not necessarily mm-hmm. that oh, three vineyards. Um, not so much that we picked and chose over other ones, but you know, because of our budget and our small production, we couldn't get fruit from everyone that we wanted to try out. 
Um, so last year these wines, uh, the reds as well, are split between um, Albuel Memorial Vineyard and Rolling View Vineyard in, in Wilcox. And then we did source fruit from a backyard vineyard in Sedona for one of the reds. Oh, which one? Um, uh, Zintendale. Which one? Or is it out oh, yet? It's at a house. Oh, the SGZ. You'll try it. Oh, sweet. Right. Yeah. yeah. Or no, it's probably dry. Not sweet. It's <laughs> like your signature line. Yeah, I know. It is. <laughs> that and uh, something lovely about Malvasia. <laughs> Rhi, I think, was actually the first one who coined the Malvasia as girlfriend. I think. It, it very well could have been me. Because I'm, I'm pretty sure because I was in... At Stronghold one day, and Bree goes, oh, we got a new vintage of your girlfriend. And I immediately go, oh, Mulvacea? <laughs> <laughs> so clearly, you know, wavelengths were, were the same there. And so, you know, Bree is kind of responsible for, for that meme and why I'm engaged to Mulvacea Bianca on Facebook. Also, it does beat the hell out of the local dating pool. All of the good ones are taken. Well, yeah, all the good ones are taken. She'll so. always be there for you. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, she's not going to See you here. By the way, you are welcome if you ever do make a Malvasia to be like wine, wine monk's girlfriend or something with it. Oh, that's the name of the wine. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, cool. Because that would be hilarious and lead to entertaining stories. Or like Mrs. Mrs. Wine. <laughs> there we go. Yeah. Anyway, this sorry. This is really good. Right. Yeah, I'm really digging this. <laughs> Delicious. Did you, uh, so stainless steel for this? Hold all the way? All stainless, yeah. Well, well we no, had it. Shall we tell the, the story? Be <laughs> raw about story. it. So, please. Yeah. This was our first oh shit moment and our first happy moment as well. So, we, um, like I said, this was our first fruit that we got in the Viognier part of this. Uh, and we. It immediately decided that hey our name is the oddity so we're gonna do some weird stuff with it when we we destemmed the white which not many people do in Arizona unless there's a specific purpose for it and then we uh, uh, fermented it in barrel and uh, this was the fastest fermentation uh, for the Viognier that uh, pretty much anybody's ever seen for a white wine <laughs> it took How like quick? basically three days Whoa. holy uh, shit which you know typically <laughs> you're looking at you know a like week? A, like typically at days, least yeah, so. nine days or yeah. so for a white um, up to 30 you know plus um it just kind of took off in barrel and we're like oh no we are screwed what are we doing we shouldn't be making wine <laughs> um, that is the conversation we had verbatim <laughs> uh, you know, that was the very first fruit that we got in um, because we distemmed it, we didn't get the yield that we were expecting out of it, so we couldn't fill a barrel, so we had to put it in a tank that was way too much, like, tank for the amount of wine that we had, and we are like, oh, God. Um, but then, uh, it didn't turn out horrible, obviously, like, we are pretty happy with it, uh, and then, um, we ended up getting a ton of Riesling as well, uh, and then, um, we were able to, to, we, we blended those together, uh, as well. Yeah, it's it's awesome because, for one, that's a combination that you never really, most people would never think of. So there's one oddity right there. It's odd. Um, yeah. Predominant <laughs> predominant Riesling in Arizona, I, I don't think that I've seen before. The only, Stronghold did a... 100% a side archive. A side archive yeah. Riesling years ago. But bone dry. Bone dry. Which it should be. Yeah. I, I'm sorry. I, I'm well... We won't get into the sweet wine rant this time. <laughs> Martin is an enthusiast. We do have sweet wine drinkers over here, though. Well, <clears throat> of Riesling and German wines. 
German Riesling, well German yeah. Riesling is always well done because the Germans have been doing this forever and ever and ever. They know what to do, and so they do it right. When Canada does it, or when Vermont does it, or when Michigan does it, it's a train wreck, in my opinion. These Riesling vines are some of the older vines that I know of in the state, too. They're about 31 years old. Oh, wow. Um, which I think is kind of cool. Very low yield. I can't remember off the top of my head. I just wrote it down last night. But per, per acre, the tonnage was uh, very low. Like in the one ton or less per acre. I think it was maybe even point. No. I don't remember. I'm just going to put it out there. I don't remember. Okay. It was one point something. One point something. Okay, that's good. <clears throat> so why did you go for the name The Changeling for this particular vintage? Um, the Riesling part is the... The Ling. Thing, the Ling. Okay. Um, and we had never... So that's your Riesling never, for that. I'm going to... Yeah, <laughs> that's our Riesling for that. <laughs> um, we never intended to blend them together, um, the Viognier and the Riesling. They were, they were meant to be separate wines. Um, by... A, uh, series of decisions. Part of being a small winemaker is lack of space and money to buy more tanks or things to vessels, and we ended up having to uh, consolidate, consolidate into them. one tank. Uh, so the changeling is kind of the, the riesling part, and the, the change of unexpectedness, and the changeling is a kind of a kind of creature oddity thing. And so, do you think that this is going to be a, a potentially permanent fixture in in your lineup, or? Is the changeling going to be like your standard white name and the blend changes every year? Or are you guys going to kind of name your wines I, as it goes? I don't know about you guys. I imagine if we repeat the same blend, blend we would we do would the changeling the again. Yeah. Uh, but not as a staple white wine. If we're changing the blend, they would always change. Yeah. yeah. So you would be changing the changeling. Like this next year, we're yeah. not going to have any of the same wines. Okay, cool. Which is interesting because our one of our ideas in the beginning, and Dave was about to say it when we were talking about choosing our fruit, was that we wanted to choose quality, and we also wanted to be able to repeat year after year what we did if it worked. Uh, which, being the little guys, is really hard. You mm -hmm. know? Um, and we ended up kind of scrapping that whole idea and uh, just getting completely different fruit this year. Uh, so, Vintage 2, um, we chose... The only repeat is Syrah, Syrah. Uh, yeah. that we're doing. Um, and... Uh, but I will say, last year, uh, being our first year and us being nervous, we had pretty much no plan besides we're getting this fruit and we're turning it into wine. I remember when we started buying fruit or writing contracts, I was like, what are you going to do with the fruit? And I said, we're, we're going to make wine. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, well, what are you going to blend it with? Uh, I don't know. Like, More I wine. Just, as long as I don't, <laughs> Our goal is literally not to mess it up, and then if we can make a decent bottle from it, great. Uh, going into this year, the 2016 harvest, it was uh, much more relaxing, I think, for all of us to have last year under our belt. And then going into this year, we chose our varieties with a plan, um, potential blends that we intend to do with what we chose this year. Um, and then... And even a co-ferment. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I saw that on Facebook today, the, uh, the Mevedrin Cunois. But, yeah. you know... Not everything went perfectly to plan. Things changed a little bit, or you know, things that well, we that's made the... blend didn't get blended yet. Uh, but it's much easier to change a plan than it is to invent one as you go, as we yeah. were last year. So it's much. This year has been a much more comfortable, easy riding 
year. Not only that, with the monsoon, it, it always fucks up everybody's plans anyway. Yes. And I would argue that when it comes to Arizona winemaking, from what I can discern as someone who drinks a shit ton of it, um, and writes about it, and looks at it mostly on the sidelines, and occasionally pokes around in the cellar down south in Wilcox with, with Jason. Um, but I don't really, I'm not involved with really anything other than poking around and throwing things into the crusher to stemmer and occasionally saying, hey, we should blend this, or you should buy this this year. Um, fuck, where was I going with this? Oh, Wilcox, Monsoon, Desert Planet, Arrakis, sorry. Finished Dune last week. <laughs> <laughs> Arrakis, Dune, Desert Planet, Wilcox, AVA, Desert Wines. Anyway. Um. Well, the other part of how we came up with our blends, and we're not onto the red wine yet, but Jeff actually helped us out. He helped us orchestrate some blind blending sessions where we could try different blends of our reds, and that's how we decided what which of our reds we were going to blend together. I like so that. Which was really fun. Experience. Yeah. Just, just uh, seeing the seeing the process in action, right? Winemakers making decisions about whole barrels of wine that they're going to make based on these blends right here. Yeah. Blend A, blend B, blend C. What and doing do it like blind. I mean, it was really interesting <laughs> to find out, you know, in the end, we haven't gotten to the reds yet, but a 50-50 Petite Syrah in Sanjo is a oddball blend, but we chose it blind and we stuck with it. And we I'm really, really like looking it. forward to that uh, because, you know, Sanjo boy. So that, you know, non-traditional, you know, I go so far to say is we're not afraid of it. I don't know if it's our thing. Well, it's hard to know if you're a thing yet after one year. Or of course, in terms yeah. of I'm not, I would say that we're not afraid of it. You know, Which is good. I yeah. like that idea, because non-traditional is, is interesting. It's fundamentally unique. And uh, to finish the point that I was saying before I got distracted by my own distraction, um, the monsoon, I think, is really what throws a loop in any plans you make in terms of Arizona wine and winemaking. Yes. Um, because every vintage is different, and like this year, you know, case in point, Pixel Blanc today, last year, it was a month ago yeah. <laughs> at DA, and it's just like, holy shit, what the hell? Yep. Anyway, mm-hmm. um, non-traditional, I like the idea, I think that more winemakers in Arizona need to play with that idea, uh, because we don't have to follow the rules yet. Yep. There are no rules, it's, it's winarchy. <laughs> you can if you use it just save me a, a couple of bottles <laughs> that's that's my fee <laughs> um, but yeah I think non-traditional is a potential way to go because this is not traditional either and I think that this is exciting interesting fundamentally different what do you guys you know what are you guys tasting in this wine what are you guys smelling say, let's not skip this one on our way no, exactly. You know, I want to. I want to hear from you guys what you guys think of this wine, what you guys are tasting. At you know, what is your opinion as wine drinkers? Well, I think it's quite nice. I don't like dry wines, I must admit, but this dry wine I do like. It's quite light, and it's it doesn't seem that dry to me. So it's really, really nice. I can drink that all the time. <laughs> so yeah, it's really good, really good. It's got a great tropical note that I'm trying to identify. It's like kiwi or lychee, maybe. Lychee, totally lychee. So yeah. And yeah. then on the nose, also there's a vanilla note, and then also a, a floral note that I can't identify, but they really work well. The other things that I noticed is that the acid is prominent but late, 
You know what I mean? Like it, it doesn't come out on the palate right away, but it leads to it's, a really long, nice and finish. Yeah. And then the other thing, uh, mouthfeel while really silky. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, just a very smooth mouthfeel. That's that's the sensation I get. What about you, Terry? Well, you know, I expected it to be, in terms of mouthfeel, extremely light, Pinot Grigio-like, mm-hmm. but it's not that way at all. I mean, it's not full-bodied by any means, but it's a delicious, um, yeah, there's a lot of there there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's well-balanced, it's perfectly balanced. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, I'm just stunned that these people I've known for a couple of years now have <laughs> brought forth this <laughs> into the world. <laughs> What do you guys think, our, our hosts for the evening? Well, like we tell our guests a lot of times, we're not, we don't know all the technicalities of wine. We just know what we like and what we don't like. And we have a lot of newbies that come and stay with us. And we tell them, you don't have to know all the ins and outs about Agreed. the grapes in the vineyards. Yeah. Agreed. You know what you like and what you don't like. Preach it. So I have to admit up front, I'm not a white wine drinker. I'm a red wine drinker. Um, the only time I lean towards a white wine truly is for my hot tub. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I become right a white, I become a huge uh-huh. white wine drinker. And I don't like sweet. I like dry. And I don't like in in you know I've heard all the technicalities of the wine. I don't like an aftertaste mm-hmm. at all. I want it to be very smooth to my palate, and this is I like it. I could stock my tiki bar refrigerator with this white wine for me to grab every night in my hot tub to offer to my guests. So I like it. Thank you very much. Very soon you'll be able to do that. Yeah. Oh, they, they, oh okay. Can we have that in writing? <laughs> <laughs> what about you? What do you think? Well, I'm also a, more of a red wine drinker, um, but I like this white wine. And to note, um, we're drinking it at more room temperature, mm-hmm. not yeah. chill. And it's still, it's still very good. Very good. Yeah. So it's very easy to drink. So that's my expert opinion. <laughs> what about you, our erstwhile English gentleman? Well, personally, <laughs> personally, I prefer sweet wines, but this is a, um, a white wine, which although it's dry, it doesn't leave my mouth feeling like the Arizona desert. Yeah. <laughs> it's not sucking the moisture out of my mouth. Um, so yes, it's a, it's a dry wine. I do drink occasionally dry wines in England, but I do opt to sweet. This is quite a refreshing really wine. Nice. Yeah, I like it. Sitting down with friends, a few bottles. So yeah. Thank you. Thanks, Martin. Now for the four of the oddity crew. Um, Having tasted this for the first time in glass, out of the bottle, not in barrel, what do you guys think? Do you guys think that this meets your expectations, exceeds? Don't be modest. Yeah. I mean, is it what you thought it would be? You know, be be perfectly honest. Should I go? Go Go for it. Uh, I want to hear from all four of you. I do. I mean, as somebody who works in the tasting room who will be selling this wine, I think that after tasting it, I really do think that it'll be received well. What's nice about it is that for me, I feel like it is it is quite quite light. Um, got really really great aromatics on the nose. I'm really happy with that. The Viognier lends itself to that nice you know viscosity. Mm-hmm. You can feel it in your mouth, but and the acid is there. But what I like about the acid is that it's it's such a nice mid palate acid. You got fruit up front, mid palate acid, and then the finish doesn't linger too long and that's kind of what I do like in a white wine. I don't want it to be mm-hmm. sitting there for too long. I mean, red wines are something that I, I like to mull over, you know, and, and 
we'll get to those in a minute. But um, this is nice. I'm, I'm happy with it. I think I think my team did a good job. What about you? I think I love the acid in it. When we were tasting, like, as soon as the fruit was pressed, I was always looking for the acid, like, right away. Like, where's the acid going to be at? Because I love that in a white wine. And I think it's really nice and crisp. I really love exactly where it hits. Not too mm-hmm. much. It's not too little. Mm-hmm. And like Dave said, I really like the nose. It is bright, like, right as soon as you get your nose in there. And then the it's it's delicious. It's good. Yeah. <laughs> Bree, what do you think? She hates it. She already told me. (laughs) (laughs) I actually, I, for me, it worked out great because it's like, I'm really into the acid. That's my favorite thing about a white wine. So the acid for me is right where I want it to be. It's pretty high, but not overbearing. And also I think it would pair really nicely with a lot of foods Mm -hmm. that acidity really helps you know, cut through creamier things, fattier things. Um, I can't wait to have this with a meal. But what I also you, love it by itself. Where would you want to pair this with? I keep going to like an alf- like a homemade Alfredo sauce. Oh god, that'd be like, amazing. I want I was just some primavera. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. So that's kind of what I've been as we're drinking this. I'm like, man, I really wish I had a nice creamy bowl of pasta. Sometimes. Sometimes. I didn't interrupt, but I thought people just drink wine. I think sometimes, like, it's the other way around. It's like, I like to drink wine while I'm eating. Okay. You know? Because you have to eat at some point. This is true. Yeah. And it should be delicious. But also, it's so different from what we had thought originally because. The, the, like as Aaron said earlier we ended up blending these together after the fact without having intended to do so and they really ended up working well together the Viognier was very fruit driven very kind of floral um, and then the Riesling had just this insane acid so um, once we blended it together they really paired well and they integrated really nicely I think Aaron, what do you think? Drum roll, please. Uh, I like I, I'm, I'm typically a red wine drinker if I'm going to be drinking wine. Uh, so making a white wine, you know, with any sort of goal was, was a little tricky for me. Um, I also like where the acid's at. I think that the Viognier did a... Uh, I, I think that our, our super fast, you know, three-day fermentation on the Viognier actually is what gave us that kind of viscosity to it. And mm-hmm. uh, if the Viognier was alone, it would have been lacking a lot of the nuances that you get from a slower fermentation. But I think that we benefited from having that amount of the faster fermentation and the, the body that we gained from it and being a barrel ferment. Um, I, I'm happy. I like it. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> I want to try it a little colder. I know, like, you know, this is actually kind of the perfect temperature to, to taste kind of critically a white wine, I think. Yeah. Uh, for me, drinking temperature, I would want it colder, and I would, you know, like, you lose some of the, the aromatics from it, but, um, uh, yeah, yeah, so keep that in mind. So, next David up. just poured on uh, the next of the lineup, which is yes. the... This is a SGZ. It's a blend of 
Syrah, Grenache, and Zinfandel. Sajizi. S-G-Z. <laughs> Sounds like a rapper name or a... Uh, it does. Or a, uh, a DJ. Like a, a techno DJ. Yeah. It's kind of a riff wow. on a Roan wine. I mean, we... You know, GSMs are the acronyms that everybody likes to say, oh, that's a, that's this. Or a jism, as I've heard Danielle <laughs> from uh, Caduceus say. <laughs> We're all adults here. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and if the clergy person can say it. <laughs> so, uh, Syrah, I'm guessing, is from Buell? No, actually, this is oh. from uh, Rolling View. The Syrah. Oh, okay. The petite is so this it's fifty percent Syrah. Um, SGZ. Oh, I'm sorry, you're right. Go ahead. Oh, you're right. Fifty percent Syrah. Uh, the Grenache is from Buell. Uh, it's about thirty percent Grenache, <laughs> and then this is the one with the twenty uh, percent Zin from the backyard in Sedona. Ah, how many acres uh, is the backyard Zin? It's about 40 vines. Yeah, okay. it's not an acre. Uh, it's, it's not even acres. It's, you know... Wow, but for 20% of that, this is very small batch then. Extremely mm -hmm. small batch. What's your... Yeah. How many cases, roughly, of these guys are you... In total, we made 330 cases last year. Uh, What's your predicted case amount for this year? About the same. Okay. Maybe a little less. Well, yeah, a little bit less. Um... It's expensive to make wine. Yeah. <laughs> it really is. <laughs> Gotta take baby steps. Yeah. I, 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 sell some yeah, we need to all to buy our wine. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and you can get this at 4A Wineworks, located in historic Clark Dale, Arizona. <laughs> <laughs> Open so seven days a week from noon to seven. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and it's on Fridays. Come stay at the vineyards back. Yeah, it's just a good day. Wine and we'll take And then after you're done. And the wine wagon. And then <laughs> With the Odyssey. And there's two. The Odyssey. Odyssey. Why the fuck am I thinking Greek history right now? I blame my friend who posted on a, a comment on, on my picture of Rosé that said uh, and quoted Homer as like the ro the rose wine dark sea oh. or something. And so I'm just like, and she's like, then it would be rosy finger dawn because it would be Rosé. Ha ha. And I'm like. Best goddamn you, now this is stuck in my head ruining everything. <laughs> Tell her she ruined the whole podcast. Uh, well, she'll hear it herself eventually, probably. And be like, oh, yay, he mentioned me. <laughs> I would like to thank Bruce and Tamberla so much for having us over tonight to... Gummer Joe's! It was our pleasure. Yes. And any new winemakers out there that want to do a sneak preview? <laughs> at the Tiki Bar. Come on. Come on in, folks. So tell us a little bit more about what went into the, the SGZ. Blood, sweat, and tears. Yeah. Okay. Especially with the Z part. Because so, so tell us about this. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us especially about the Z. Yeah, the, the, Z. Of the, vine. the secret Z. That's the story. Well, we were. She goes, what? We were approached by somebody that that basically said, "Hey, we have these vines in our backyard. Um, are you interested in making wine out of them? We know that you're college students at the Yavapai College for Viticulture and Enology." And we were like, oh, sure, let's check it out. And then we kind of took care of the vineyard and restructured it a little bit. And then all of a sudden we were making wine. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. We, we, we actually 
mm, took care of that vineyard for two years. We did one uh, vintage, the 2014 vintage, uh, just as home winemakers, uh, which added to the trepidation of becoming winemakers because <laughs> that wine failed miserably. <laughs> it was bad. And I was like, okay, maybe we really shouldn't do this. Well, it's the first pancake principle, right? Like, you gotta yeah, have you the gotta first get pancake, that. it doesn't yeah. work out. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the first pancake to the dog, right? But so, so we managed those, those vines for a year, we harvested them, and then the next year, uh, actually the homeowner halfway through uh, the season sold their house, uh -oh. and uh, we had to come to, to new terms with the, the, the new owners uh, because we had already they were they were very gracious and just kept the same deal that we had worked out with the previous owners. Um, uh, but uh, that was an interesting moment. Wait, we've been taking care of this vineyard, and now you don't own this anymore. <laughs> but it all worked out. Were you able we to get fruit from it this year? Or? No, it did end up being. We liked the fruit and it was fine. It was also a lot of work on top of our day jobs and making our own wine. Uh, it was just too much to try and deal with again this year. So uh, I don't know who took care of it this year, actually. Uh, we'll see. Yeah. You can plant a vineyard here if you want to plant a vineyard. I actually have like six vines on my deck that need to be planted soon. Uh, we have three. Aaron, what are you saying to me? We'll just pull our vines. There, we'll have nine vines after that. There we go. That's enough for a bottle. Do you hope to have your own vineyard? I mean, also just the work. Actually, that's a good question. I really mixed feelings about our own vineyard. Tell us. Tell us why. So, for the podcaster audience. I, I work full-time uh, in the vineyard, um, which by full-time is a lot of hours, uh, not just 40. <laughs> um, it's it's full like two and a half full-time. And uh, it's been... It is. Many, this job, many vineyards. Many vineyards but, um, <laughs> my official title on the internet is Vineyard Dog. <laughs> That's right. But uh, it's it's a lot of work and it's very expensive and there are so many challenges to overcome. Uh, just being a grower in Arizona in general, uh, there's there's disease pressures, there's the monsoons, um, freeze, frost. Uh, yeah, there. I mean, things that any growing region you know has their hurdles uh, and being a young region and figuring out. Uh, how to avoid them or uh, to fix some of them. Uh, for a while, I'm okay with letting other people make the mistakes and learning from them. Uh, mm -hmm. And, you know, at least uh, we are able to buy from the vineyard that I work for. So I am very in tune with what's happening to the fruit that we're buying, uh, at least from one of our vineyards, uh, which makes me feel better. Um, I don't think there's anything wrong with buying fruit exclusively um, and, and not owning a vineyard, but uh, it is nice to, to feel some connection to the grapes that you're, you're pulling in, um, even if you don't own them necessarily. Um, yeah. you know, nope. with, with that being said, I mean, I think that it's, it's important to also realize, I mean, we are taking a, an AP model, alternating proprietorship model to winemaking, and with that, we can, we're actually able to make wine at our at a production at a cooperative production facility and and not have to own a vineyard uh, and I think it's great to be able to, there's so many great growers in this area already like let's take 
there's something nice about being able to, you know, utilize the resources that are that are 100% going into that. You know, for us, we have to concentrate on our day jobs to maintain our lives and to maintain this. Uh, luckily, our day jobs coincide with with our our aspirations, but. Uh, if we wanted to, to, to throw a vineyard on top of that, that's that's a down the road kind of a thing. I mean, I think that we would love to entertain the idea of, you know, 15 years down the road, yeah. getting a vineyard, you know, getting some land and, mm-hmm. and, and doing that. But in the meantime, this allows us to concentrate our efforts on making good wine and to buy fruit from people that can concentrate their efforts on growing good fruit. And that's, that's what we've got in this bottle here. So uh, I'm also okay with letting other people mm-hmm. grow the grapes. Same. <laughs> it is, of course, part of the dream, you know, to have our own vineyard. So, scary. so mm-hmm. part B of that question, dream vineyard, uh, let's say 15 acres, what would you plant and where? I'd do it at your house. <laughs> <laughs> Literally in Jerome? On, On the porch. <laughs> On my porch? Actually, that, that is, that is no, no joke. I would love to plant in Jerome. You know, it's it's a pain in the butt. It's steep, uh, um, expensive to farm. Water is not easy to, to deal with up there. Uh, but it so that's is, a no? It's... It's for us realistically a it's a no but it's yeah. it's but this is dream vineyard right, yeah. dream vineyard it's yeah. i mean the question wasn't the practical foothill, vineyard. the foothills of mingus up where the college vineyard is uh, all of that is you know for me like my dream area of planting or you know i think would actually have some frost issues potentially but if you're driving into clarkdale on main street whatever that is mm-hmm. broadway uh, where the Clarkdale sign is when you enter town, there's a nice, gentle, sloping hillside. Um, I, I have every time I drive past it, I picture having vines there and just and just covering it. Uh, now, what would you grow in your acreage? All of them. <laughs> All the things. Uh, generally speaking, Italian, Italians and Spanish yeah. varietals. Um, top top five list. I'd love to see Tempranillo. Yes. Tempranillo, hands down. Tempranillo, I'm down with. Um, Mavedra. Okay. Uh, uh, I think Graciano would be cool. Graciano That'd be nice to see some Verde Graciano. I'm digging Arizona Graciano right now. Mm-hmm. Me too. Um, I think Malvasia Bianca, you know, aside from Cody's perverted infatuation with it. <laughs> I do think it's an, it's an important grape to talk about, especially in Arizona. It's um, it, it grows well here, and I think that it shows well here. I would love to see some Malvasia in a vineyard. You know, if we're talking white varietals. Uh, you know, I know you're into some of the obscure ones, but the um, it's not available yet. I have heard rumor that it is in. Um, um, quarantine, quarantine, but Norella Mascalesi, Ooh. Uh, the, the Reds, uh, I think would do really well here. Uh, but we we'll have to wait until it's available. And you were raising your hand. I have two questions. Am I allowed to ask questions? Now? Yeah. So you already have. I, it's true. <laughs> My first question is: Did it ever cross your mind to not use Arizona fruit? and maybe use fruit from a different state. And then my second question, which is, uh, as for personal reasons, are you ever going to make a rosé? Any plans for a rosé? Oh. 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 I'm done with rosé. How about I answer the first one? Okay. <laughs> okay. Because, because this was a meeting at the 1012 that we did have. Okay. Um, it crossed my mind. 
uh, to use somebody else, you know, to use California fruit or somewhere else. Um, merely just because of it, it it's cost-effective. Um, More cost-effective than New Mexico? Uh, well, no, I w I'm open to New Mexico as well. Um, yes, I considered California New Mexico, but when our team, when we talked about it, it was a pretty quick, like, no. And, <laughs> and, and I do appreciate that, and, as of right, and, and at this point, I, I could not have, I would not have done it any other way. Um, mm -hmm. The only reason that I wanted to entertain the idea was just, you know, in looking at how are we going to stretch this? I mean, it's, I'm, my, my role in this is, is the you know, business side of it. Those guys are the creative ones that make the good wine. Um, I, my wife and I, we push pencils. Um, so, but with that in mind, yeah, I, I considered it. Um, but I really do love the conviction that, that the rest of my team had on like, no, let's, let's be Arizona. Let's That's do awesome. all Arizona. And, yeah. and I said, all right, well, whatever. <laughs> but, uh, but yeah, no, I mean, as, as of now, and the nice thing about it is that what we didn't know was going to happen were, were certain things like the Arizona Vineron's Alliance was, we didn't know that that was going to happen back when we were talking about it. Now there's actually like a, a staple out there for, you know, recognizing that this, that, that your wine is an all Arizona product and, and there's some weight behind that now. Not that there wasn't before, but now there's actually like a seal that says it. And Are I you planning on submitting your wines to that? It's none of your business, Cody. <laughs> 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 I'll let these guys answer that. <laughs> this wine sucks. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> So. Well, to answer, to answer Terry's question number two, we maybe just might perhaps have yes. a Kunwa Rosé. Hells to the yes. Maybe. Just maybe. maybe, just might. I won't get excited yet. Um, but, but I'm really excited because I love Rosé. Me too. And Kunwa is a fun grape. You don't see it very often anyway. Where's the Kunwa coming from? Deep Sky? Or? Yep. Mm -hmm. Wow, that was... Oh, that's true. There's only like three vineyards growing it. It's like... They're Calibri and... Actually, maybe it is just Deep Sky and Calibri. Yeah, yeah I don't know of any others. I'm not sure. I'm actually really excited for that one because I was out at the facility and tasted the must, Ooh. and it was the greatest grape juice I've ever had. It was amazing. So I don't know what that means for the wine production, but I know they're starting with an amazing juice, yeah. you know. We're thinking of Oddity Wine Collective Otter Pops. Hit Facebook a couple of weeks ago. It was like the, the rose froyo or whatever. In oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Is it called Froze? Froze. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. I was like, that actually sounds really good. Yeah. It's like, I would do Froze with my Brose. Well, Crema, yeah. Crema used to make a rose, a date in Rose. Oh, shit. Back when Kelly owned it. Oh, yeah. Is that still around, Dayton? It is, right? Huh? Dayton, Rose is still? Yeah. Oh, yeah. I drink a lot of Dayton Rose. We need to get some more. Yeah, we're out. I know where you so... can find some. Okay, good. good. Do you? I do. All right, well, yeah. you need to hook me up. Okay. Well, I was going to say, we haven't really mentioned their pedigree. All of you in Oddity Wine Collective <laughs> have worked with, like, you know, Verde Valley yeah. wine giants, right? Between yeah. all of you, you really, you represent a really important chapter in this kind of developing story. It's almost like you have the, the very first generation of winemakers in the Verde, 
uh, Marcus and 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 the gang, and then exactly. and then you have Glomsky and Maynard and Freitas and mm-hmm. Snap, and there was someone else, and I can't remember who. Exactly. Bichard. Bichard. Mm-hmm. Bichard. And then they've trained the third school, and that's kind of you guys, that generation coming out of that. Uh, with the college and everything, because the second generation. But that's generation what's is, been so cool about this. Area. Which I like because it's it's it's. it's, amazing. Yeah. Right. it's all, all there is an apostolic training all these newbies in the college. I mean, I've heard Aaron and Bree bring up the Alpine College four, five, six times tonight already. Yeah. I mean, just to watch it, we've been here for three years from Illinois mm-hmm. to do this wonderful adventure with the bed and breakfast. But watching everything that's happening has been like just extraordinary and then to meet Aaron over the fence taking care of the, <laughs> taking care of the vineyard in our backyard and to just listen to the stories and, and hear what's happening and then for them to call us and say hey we're bottling our own wine can we come preview it at your place or like oh my gosh yes this is what this is all about so we are so, and I just want to say, Aaron, your parents are so proud of you. <laughs> when, they take, when they taste your wines, they're gonna be like blown away. I am like, I cannot wait for them to get here and taste your wines. I'm so ecstatic. Uh, speaking of this pedigree, as someone yes. who is a geek orthodox, uh, 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 okay, I thought that'd be funny. But um, as you know, in the Orthodox Church, there's this whole thing like we have apostolic succession, and you know, it's like Jesus to the apostles to bishops to other bishops to other bishops to whoever is being the bishop today. It's like that in the Arizona wine industry. You can see that clear succession of schools of thought with wine and introduction of new ideas and that sort of thing, and you can pick out exactly what's going on. That's I think is a super geeky nerdy thing for me. So, what are you guys tasting in the in the Jeezy? Oh, oh. oh my. Jeezy's a little spicy. Yeah. Yeah. I definitely totally pick out the Zin, that sort of jam yeah. plum at the end. Mm-hmm. It's like, hi! And it's got that weird sort of Verde Valley flint note, yeah. which is something that I've noticed in a lot of Verde Valley wines. They have a sort of flinty limestone mm-hmm. versus that sort of dank earth monsoon dust that Wilcox does, to me anyway. Um, so that's that internet that that combination of Tawar characters interplaying off each other, I think, is really interesting in this wine. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's what is really I'm geeking out about in this particular wine. It's kind of crazy tasting it, you know, out of the bottle now. Yeah, yeah I, it's again. been so long since we since we have like tried our wines. <laughs> Which is kind of a weird thing, but it opens up beautifully. Mm-hmm. And, and I was just going to say because the aroma when you fir- at first is so complex, right? It's one of those things where you know it has to open up because there are so many different elements, you know, to be separated out, and it's it really is surprising to me. It was just on first pour. I want to pair this with venison ribs. Ooh, I was just thinking that I really Ooh. wanted ribs. <laughs> I love Synchronicity. Venison. Perfect. Here we go. I've never had venison ribs, so I... They are delicious. Okay. I've had them once, and I still dream of that meal. <laughs> I love meals like that. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm just like... <sighs> and I had it with a beautiful, beautiful Spanish monastrell. Mm. And it was just an accidental perfect pairing. Nice. <laughs> and I'm just like, here, I'll bring this over. It was at AK's house when she was down in... Um, Cottonwood. 
Because clearly pointing, actually that, no. That's <laughs> so I was like, like, wait, is that the right direction? No. You know, the, the Vineyards Fund and Breakfast has so many big trees, it's hard to know which direction yeah. things are. We're all like surrounded by The trees are incredible. But anyway, it was just that, that. And so is the breakfast. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Bree. Plug. <laughs> so. That's the first thing I tell people. It is. Bruce makes sorry, the best Corey. breakfast. He does make the best breakfast. Yeah. <laughs> sorry, Corey. It's Cody. Cody. I'm sorry, Cody. <laughs> <laughs> it's the, yeah, sorry. Collective. Monk. Right? Collective. <laughs> I knew that. I knew Cody. that. It's okay. I just roll my D's. Odyssey wine cellar. <laughs> <laughs> The oddity, the odd, the, I can't even say it. The Odyssey wine cellar. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. so broken. There is an Odyssey cellars in southern Arizona. Oh, that's right. It's one of uh, McLaughlin's. Oh. Yeah. Didn't know anyway. that. So, let's not mix that up too much. Definitely. Uh, what was I saying? Something about, um, oh, the, the, the TLDR of that is. Mavedra plus venison ribs equals goodness. This plus venison ribs would be even betterness. Mm -hmm. So when are you inviting us to your Yeah, when are you making us all venison ribs? Whenever I find someone who can bring me enough venison to feed everybody. (laughs) And I don't know that... Brian Webb. Yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Brian. He's got a freezer full of it. Well, his is... how are elk ribs? Or is I've like... never had elk ribs. Okay. Hey, Brian, when are you going to invite us over for some elk ribs? <laughs> <laughs> when the well, skate bar is open and I go back home and sleep. That was me being Brian. <laughs> he's, I don't know. He's lived there for like the last four days. I know. He well, has taken... Soon, right? oh, I think yeah. he wants to open it by this weekend. Yeah, they're trying for the... Yeah, yeah. The I knew that. Oh, because of the... Thunder Valley. I saw a Hensley oh. truck out front, which means I think there's beer there. Oh. That's yeah. a, really all that matters. Yeah. Yeah. Harvest. So, yeah, I'm I'm really digging this. This is cool. And I'm normally not a Zinn fan, so Thank I'm not either. Yeah, I mean, Zinn normally like... reminds me of my ex-fiance, my first ex-fiance. <laughs> <laughs> How many have you had? Two. Okay. Well, the second one barely counts. It was like only four days. So before. One God. What? I have I have an ex-fiance as well. I just made her my wife. Oh, oh, no. yeah. oh. Shell just and she's not that. even there to yeah. like yeah. walk away. <laughs> she's like, we're getting it. I'm walking away. We're getting it. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> she probably wouldn't even have liked that. Oh. She would have probably been like, shut up. She's gonna dude. hear. She's gonna hear this, and she's gonna go seriously. <laughs> Smack that. you in bed. You wait till I left, and you said that. <laughs> well, if we're ready, let's move on to the next one. <laughs> Oh, I'm ready. ready. I'm loving this one. It's just so jam. I kind of want to sit with that for like about it's five hours puzzle, and exactly. puzzle it out. Yeah. Oh my gosh, I cannot wait to you stock my wine bar, people. Yeah. <laughs> I'm so excited for you too. I am so excited for me. All it'll take is a trip to Parkdale. Is that all it takes? <laughs> so in the meantime, while he's so, pouring, what fruit did you all get this year? We've already heard about the quinoa, but we got that in two different stages. So there's an earlier pick that we're making the rosé out of, and then actually yesterday we got our last truck of fruit for this vintage, and some of it was quinoa also that we're making red out of. The yeah. We also got Mavedra yesterday on the same truck. Yeah, we got Mavedra yesterday. Um, That's the co-ferment we were. Yeah, mentioning we're, we're co-fermenting that with the the quinoa um we are doing we did 
two different clones of Syrah. Uh, we did the 525 and the 471. Now, um, which do you think is a better clone for Arizona? Getting completely sidetracked. Uh, I love the 525, man. I don't know. I have habitually loved the 525. From a growing perspective, from a perspective I don't really know, honestly. Okay. Um, I think they, they complement each other really well. Okay. I have a feeling we're going to blend them. Uh, I, in previous years, the, those two have uh, complemented each other, and I've, I've liked what they've done. Um, the 525 is certainly uh, more fruity, uh, fruit forward, while the, the 471 to me is a more classic Syrah. Um, yeah, that's just me though. Uh, what else did we get? We have Petit Brio from Buell. Oh, Petit yes. Brio, which is really cool. Uh, we're very excited about that. Yes. Um, that's a neat one. Um, and that's... That's it. No whites this year? That's it. We did not do any whites. No. We just did the one rosé. We weren't even going to do the rosé. Oh. That was a last minute addition. We can't be we like, were afraid of... super planned out because we're the oddity. Yeah, I, I think... Uh, the potential of if things didn't go well, you know, we went into this season setting up contracts uh, without having sold a bottle of wine or bottled our wine even. And part of the fear of moving into this second season was what if our first season doesn't sell? So uh, the worst thing to me would be sitting on uh, uh, even more wine, white, white wine, which a lot of white. people are right now. Yeah. Other, That's true. Yeah. So we figure. We have, uh, I think we have 78 cases or something of white, which, you know, and the small producer, that's that's enough to carry us through for a while. And if we, have we the run rose out a too. little bit, we'll have the rosé that comes in to replace that uh, for the summertime. Uh, and then that year three, we can we can go back to making whites. Very nice. Yeah, so yeah. Um, along with Malvasia Bianca, what other whites do you think really do well in Arizona? I have my own mm. list, but I'm curious as to you guys who are in the industry and see what sells and see what tastes and have more as much experience in your own biases. I, I want to see your own biases, I guess. I, mean, I think as cliche as it sounds, I'm I'm amazed at some of the Chardonnay that's, yes. that's pulled off in Arizona. Um, I would agree with that. It's much more of an old world, you know, Chardonnay. Yeah. It's not this like. You know, buttery cliche nineties, you know, buttery oaky California thing. It's tropical, it's it's beautiful and uh, I really like the Chardonnay that comes out comes out of Arizona. Um, uh, I hate to admit, but I haven't put a lot of thought I mean I I'd like you know, I I like Aglianico. Um Which is red. Oh excuse me. You like Alberino. Alberino is what I was thinking. Um Seval. There's some nice Sevals. Mm. Yeah. Well well that's Yeah. I guess I was under the impression that the, the Arizona grapes weren't known for their whites. We're just not we're known a lot of for it our yet. reds, but are we, are we evolving into Well, that? one of the things we are or? known for, regardless for, is our Malvasia Bianca. Yeah. <laughs> yes, I harp on yeah, my girlfriend all the time. Already. But here's the thing. Continue beating the dead horse. But, but here's the thing. I've had people come in from Italy into the tasting room and taste Arizona Malvasia, and they're like, this is better than the Malvasia we have back home. If the Italians are saying that of our yeah. Malvasia, then I think we've got something. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, it's yeah. very different. But that being said, there are there are actually a lot of Arizona whites. Are mm-hmm. there? Yeah, I, I think that just the I general just population tends to drink red more. Red better than we grow white. I would say that we do both really well. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that red is definitely a safer varietal. Um, I think Arizona. Red is, is a new varietal. <laughs> reds are reds safe. a new varietal. Oh, no, I said red is a, reds are a safer varietal. Is what I said. <laughs> okay. Or, or maybe that's what I meant to say. <laughs> no, you, that's what you said. That's what I heard. Yeah. Um, I'm with you. <laughs> but uh, we're definitely red heavy in Arizona. Right. But okay. there's some awesome, awesome whites that are coming. Out. I've been, I've been digging some of the pico pools and. I was just oh, gonna yeah. say Chateau Tumbleweed's pico pool was one of my favorite wines. It's of the like season. holy shit that yeah. I could yeah. down and. Yeah. I could probably down that bottle and not think about it. Same. Which is why I'm afraid to buy it. Because yeah. if I do, there will not be a review because I will drink the bottle and be like, oh shit, did I get any notes? Nope. Well, fuck. Well, and Dos Cabezas is an amazing fruit Yeah. And San Marcano did a good one too a while back. But I'm also thinking Vermentino has a lot of potential in Arizona too. Uh, I can tell you the Vermentino I harvested this year, I was really excited about. Well, the Agnostina Vermentino I, I harvested was sick for someone else, not for us. <laughs> yeah, but, uh, the Vermentino I tasted from you guys was great. Even the Page Springs was pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, I tasted before it was labeled uh, San Reckoner's bottled Vermentino, and that was amazing. So that's, you know, the three Arizona Vermentinos I've had. They're all amazing. So it's like, okay, so I've got enough data to say that um, I, I think there's a lot of potential for that grape here. Yeah. We've got a lot of good feedback from uh, wine tour guests about the symphony when we take it in yeah. there. Not a, it doesn't appeal oh, yeah. to everyone, but the people that it appeals to, it really appeals I to. I wish that we would see more of that grape in that state and more winemakers would play with it. Yeah. Is it just, I've only seen it from Pillsbury. Yeah, Pillsbury. Yeah. Well, um, no, no. Uh, I think Eric Lomsky, doesn't he work in a couple? Maybe not. No. Um, but McLaughlin has yeah. historically yeah. had a few buns with symphony. Mm-hmm. And Flying Leap has had a Viognier Symphony blend called the Duet. 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 What the? When two people are singing. Duet. Duet. Thank you. It's like, how the fuck do you pronounce that word? Well, I mean, if you put a V in there, it's a duvet. I get it. Well, that covers it. (laughs) What's your um, opinion on coloring of your wine? Is this, uh, Just buy them up right now. Buy them. Drink them and then buy more. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're very so anyway, this is uh, what what is uh, this fellow here? This is unsanctioned. Unsanctioned. Ooh, I like the name. I feel like you we should, should call a wine anathema next year. Fun tidbit about that, <laughs> yeah. right? which we did not know. That the word sanctioned is one of the few words in the English language that without a different spelling means both one thing and the opposite of that same thing, right? So if something is sanctioned, like it's a sanctioned event, it means it's officially endorsed. And then sometimes if something is sanctioned, it is officially unendorsed. Huh. You know, it's the exact same, you know, like, like there's a couple event? other ones, like <laughs> clean. <laughs> Are we is sanctioned? <laughs> I think either way we're sanctioned, just depending That's on right. which way you take That's it. Right. Exactly. But this wine is unsanctioned. <laughs> Mostly because who puts Petite Syrah and Sangiovese together? Yeah, good point. Holy shit, this is wow. fucking weird. That's true. You might even say it's odd. <laughs> for those of you who like tried it right after Dave popped the bottle, yeah. um, did you get that like really intense like violet and rose 
the floral characteristic. I'm still getting it. Yeah. Actually. It's, but I felt like it was way more, it's still there, but I felt like it was like the first thing that I smelled oh, yeah. when I, when it was fresh in my glass. Now, this one, have you guys uncorked it and tasted it prior to this? None of these. So yeah. every single these are all one of these, you're, you're, you're popping your cherry. You're ripping the band-aid off of every single one of these tonight. Yeah. Okay. I didn't know if it was just yeah. the first one. Or no, this is all three. You are Not brave tried. souls. So you guys are the well, first tasters along the <laughs> This one I would say, you. you know, from from my uh, from my opinion, it needs some time to open up or needs some time to chill out in a bottle. Decant. Um, yeah, I would love to see it in this, a decanter. You know, this, this wine screaming at me decant. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Whispers. This wine whispers to me. I'm asking to be decanted. But when the wine starts yeah. whispering yeah. to you, you might need to turn it. Well, they're young. I mean, so we bottled I'm these. I'm so August lonely second. on my mountain. Um, <laughs> wine is the only woman that talks to me. Just over a month in bottle. Yeah. You know, uh, also, when we refer to wine as a woman, I'd like to hold yeah, on just no a little problems. longer. Uh, <laughs> I love it. It's but okay. it's, it's time to start to no, it's, think I, about moving them. Yeah. Um, so, generally speaking, these are really young wines, um, and you know, mm -hmm. got to keep that in mind. But I think even if you weren't to. I think this one would definitely sell her for a while, just based mm -hmm. on tasting it. Uh, and it has you know, the pH and the acidity to, to back that up. But it, um, I think it seems like it will open up in a glass or in a decanter really well over the next couple hours. Mm -hmm. Do you, are you Definitely a patient wine drinker's it? wine. Yeah, we can do that, right? Yeah, go for it. Mm -hmm. um, unsanctioned will be sold for $24 a bottle. That's the white no. wine. Sorry, changeling. Sorry. Changeling. 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 Uh, SGZ will be 32. And then, uh... Unsanctioned is 38. We decided 30, uh... What? 8. 38. Yeah. So where is the fruit for this one coming from? This one came from both, uh, Rolling View and from, uh, Albule. Which came from where? Um, the petite was actually from both. We got a half ton from each vineyard, uh, fermented separately with different yeasts, and then blended together in the press. Um, what yeast did you use? Or you remember? Sorry, I'm geeking out about yeast lately. We used different yeast on the petite Syrahs. Yeah, we used we different used yeast for those. Uh, I believe it was BRB and BDX. BRB and BDX yeah. for the different bins. Um, I don't remember about the Sangio. So can I ask, the how do you decide that kind of thing? Yeah, that, right. that's, that's the mystery. Actually, that's to, I mean, a question I was going to ask. The yeast, when you put it in there, that starts this magic process, but you have to choose what yeast to do. There's, yeah. I know there's a catalog. Us, that yeah, there's a nifty chart. There's a big catalog or you know, a bunch of catalogs. You can buy yeast yeah. from lots of places. Yeah, yeah. Um, part of being the, the, the young, dumb winemakers is we have to <laughs> experiment with it. Uh, you know. We, we chose last year based on uh, the recommendations in the catalog for particular varietals, and also they were good kind of workhorse yeasts. You know, they, they're unlikely to get stuck. Uh, they have a wide temperature range that they can they can handle. Higher alcohol the, tolerance, alcohol which tolerance. Is good for Arizona. Um, so we kind of stayed with safer yeasts uh, yeah. for the most part. Um, then. This year we did similar things, just experimenting though with different yeasts. Although we did go back to the BDX, we did like that, uh, um, so we used some of that. Um, yeah, it's experimentation at this point. You know, we we haven't made enough wines to 
say one way or the other, we like this over this, you know, we liked some things last year, we don't necessarily know why, or if it was only the yeast, or, you know, there's too many questions still to ponder as far as the winemaking steps, you know, it's like, and it just, does the yeast really make that much of a difference, or does it, you know, because during a fermentation you can really smell it, by the time it's in bottle, does the, does the effect of the yeast still remain or does it not? You know, I've heard different winemakers say different opinions of whether it really matters uh, which yeast you use. I think it does. Uh, um, I, I have a hard time believing that yeasts won't affect, you know, your, your final product um, even after it's been aged in a barrel for a while. Catalogs of yeast. I don't yeah. believe. I don't believe <laughs> binders in of yeast. The idea <laughs> of using specifically Rhone yeasts for Rhone wines or Bordeaux yeast for Bordeaux wines. I think that because we're in Arizona, um, so all these yeasts that you can buy commercially are you know isolated, strained from different areas that they. That this is you know this yeast from this vineyard or whatever, or this area that they've they've, they've where they've been making wine for ever. Yeah, uh, okay. but. If, I believe if you were in that area, it might make sense to use a Bordeaux yeast in Bordeaux. But we are not in Bordeaux, and we don't have any local yeast that is, you know, isolated. Uh, at least not yet. At least not yet. There's obviously wild, natural, native yeast on all the on all the grapes that we have. Uh, but which actually raises a, a, an interesting question: um, Are you guys thinking of doing a wild yeast fermentation at some point? Like oh, James so Callahan. It's a ballsy move, Cody. It's scary. <laughs> well, that being said, especially because we're not at the vineyard. Like, if we were make like, oh, it would still on be risky. Site. But if we were on site, like if we were producing the wine on the vineyard and that yeast was in our winery, I think that would make a different scenario. But what we have is trucks of fruit coming up and being brought to a different winery, and um, oftentimes, you know, that you don't want it to start fermenting on the truck. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You want it to be nice and cold when it gets there so you can process it appropriately. Um, things can happen early on in the fermentation that you can't really fix afterward or that would take a lot to fix. So to have more control over it is nice. But and, you know, that is, I guess, the advantage of specifically thinking the only major... What on earth was that? <laughs> Anyway, it was the aliens Matt? coming for Clearly you. Clearly an alien. Wait till you hear the mule next door. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> she moved. She just moved no yesterday. She moved. Annabelle oh. is no longer so with us. I think we need to move on. I miss her. <laughs> Did she like move on to another? No. She She just physically moved to another nest. Did she? Okay. Okay. She had the most horrifying and awesome bray all the time. She sounded sad though. It sounded like somebody murdering something. She always sounded sad, and I always wanted to go and console her. Like somebody was stabbing her. But you know, I guess that. Digress. We're getting. I'm going to be a little mulish about this this conversation thread. Okay, I thought it was funny, but I guess it wasn't. No, that was good. That was really good. But uh, I guess that is one major advantage that, say, you know, James Callahan has is that he's more or less right on site for for making his wines while ferment versus, you know, you guys. It's but also I, hard because you just don't know what that yeast is capable of. 
So that's, but that's the a thing risky we, we won't know unless people start sure. trying. But right. wouldn't that make it even right. that much more exciting? It would, but what if? And it would definitely be something odd. And then to be paying $100 for your bottle of wine. There you go. There you go. You recoup that. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know if... if um, Nobody likes to read anymore, but on Facebook, we did put our little, you know, the oddity manifesto, uh, if you will. Why don't but, you read it for us? Uh, no, you can, you can read it yourselves. But, uh, yeah, you have to go to the Facebook On there, page. you know, there is a sentence in there that it says, we promise to experiment as much as our tiny budget will allow. And we have learned the hard way a couple of times that perhaps experimentation should wait until we have a larger production. There are some things that we'd love to do, but we can't afford to lose a whole barrel of wine or a whole tank of wine yet. If we, n Nobody really can, but if we did lose a barrel of wine, that's a significant portion of our production, and we are not going to be able to make wine next year. Because right. we don't Would you be willing to share some of those things so, that you want to do? So I, actually, before we were a company, um, I bought, uh, uh, with plans of making wine, um, two hundred and 30-gallon clay amphora uh, that came from Italy, and um, they were not cheap. Um, it turns out I was a little, you know, too excited and spent the money in the wrong place. One of them showed up, well, they both have issues. One of them was just broken and leaking out the bottom, uh, and then the other had issues that uh, made me very nervous to put any wine in, uh, because uh, 120 gallons of wine in, you know, when you're only making 300 cases of wine is too much to risk. Um, so that would be my primary example of, oh, we already messed up once in, I did, but we weren't a company yet then, but uh, investing in something and then not, at least we didn't lose any wine from it, but, you know, if we could have or, you know, so these mistakes, they cost money and instead of having the money to make wine that we feel safe about, we are making, well, we just don't want to risk it. Yeah. Um, so M4 aging is is in the future potentially. Yes, mm -hmm. for sure. Once they're fixed. Um, once they're fixed, which should be, I mean, one of them may or may not be fixable. The other one is definitely fixable. Um, but I am just a little bit nervous. You know, the way that uh, it evaporates and the effect that it'll have on the wine, um, I'm excited about. But I am not ready to risk 120 gallons of wine. Yeah, for well, and the rate of evaporation future. is pretty large. They so do we'd have to have at a least lot in of our cellar that we have. You know, we're producing now. It's a, there's not a whole lot of humidity in there, right? Uh, and we did notice, you know, when we just filled it with water as a test, uh, the um, it, it evaporates a lot faster than a barrel. Mm -hmm. And so the loss and the need for excessive top-off wine or more top-off wine is another cost that we are not ready to absorb as a little company. Okay. Because so. alcohol will be faster, right? Oh. Uh, so, yeah. So with that in mind, send your winning tickets to P.O. Box 9. Clark Dealers. Well, no, my, honestly, I, like, my plan for, well, before I go into my lottery plans, um, what else are you guys thinking of doing for experiments, like Amber Wines or... Cool things like that, maybe, or... I would love to do an amber wine. I'm a little, you know, that's another kind of scary one. Uh, I've had some that I love, and I have had some that I hate. I would prefer to continue making wines that I, I like. Um, <laughs> that way, if worse comes to worse, you, you know. get to drink them. Exactly. <laughs> that's right. Um, 
you know, for now, I think we're going to have to experiment with uh, more. That term experimentation is going to be learning. Learning meditation with us. Yeah. <laughs> like I was talking about with the yeasts. We're not afraid to try a bunch of different yeasts and, and combine, you know, wines from them and see, see what we like. Uh, different you know, French versus American. For all of this wine that you've had was all neutral oak. We have, we did buy some. Uh, we can't afford um, new barrels right now, uh, and I don't like 100% new oak anyway. Uh, but we did buy some staves to play with uh, American versus Hungarian versus French oak uh, on the same varietal and the same the everything, so we can learn what we do like uh, on our own wines and the style that we want to kind of continue with in the future. Um, what else? Uh, obviously, we're not afraid to try some oddball blends. You know, uh, this is a perfect example. Yeah. You know, I um, never would have even thought about blending these two varieties ever. Or to ever. try our wines, you know, by via blind tasting. You know, it's like they're just throwing a bunch of things into a hat and having no idea what we're tasting, and then like committing it. to it without knowing what it is and going with it. I think that was now a really neat the, way to do things. What yeah. is the blend on this percentage wise? Fifty fifty. Because it starts out very Sangiovese, and then you get the sudden like switch, yeah. where the tannins and black tea and bergamot mm. from uh, the petite straw just like, hi, I'm here now. Black mm. tea, good one, book. <laughs> that's what I get in. That's what I get in most Arizona petite straws. Is like yeah. this very strong like black tea, like yeah. honestly, like a really damn fine cup of Earl Grey. Yeah. yeah. Or or a good Darjeeling. I do love a good cup of Earl Grey. Oh, right. wine. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah. Also yeah. known as orange wine. Is what? that just a type of rosé? Not really, no. no. It's, it's a white wine fermented on the skin, yeah. so treating it like a red wine. But, um, Interesting. And it is a very old style. Yeah. I don't think of wine. It is a very old style. Same, um, yeah. same idea. Dating back to some of the earliest days of winemaking, oh, no. uh, especially in Georgia. Wow. Yeah. The country of Georgia, not obviously yeah, yeah. the state. You're all that don't have red skins. White so it would be taking it, it would be taking Viognier yeah. or Riesling oh, or Chardonnay or Malvasia or and just fermenting it with fermenting the skin, just like a, like red, a red in the bin on the skin. Oh. So with just and this colored cap, so yeah, or what they do in Georgia. Do they color. bury it? And they bury it in amphora. In, in amphora, yeah, they right. bury it. So that could be a fun way to kill two birds in one stone yeah. with one experiment in the yeah. future. Would be. Are there tannins in? Yes. yes. Okay. It's a very different... Oh, Cody, I went to the parlor restaurant in Phoenix, uh, and they had a sparkling orange Malvasia. What? No <laughs> what? Where is this so restaurant? Weird. I need to know. How much it's was it? over by the Biltmore. And it was Ooh. on one of their nights where they have, like, a bottle of wine and a pasta bowl for... I don't know how much. Oh, we'll okay. We'll yes. <laughs> yes. We should all just go. We, right we need now. to go. Let's go right now. Let's hop in the van. Let's go. Let's go. And go have some sparkling orange Malvasia. Because that fucking sounds crazy. For me, sparkling is what I would love to experiment with. I would love to. Now, here's a thought. There is a cheap way to do sparkling wine. I don't want to do it cheap But you could do a patent natural or patent natural or whatever it's called. Called. I want to do, well. Have you thought it's spark? They don't really do spark. That's what I was just talking to Because no one about. in Arizona is really doing it at all. Yeah. Mm -hmm. 
Do you know who makes the fluffer? Champagne. Oh, someone in New Mexico. Okay. It's it's a shiner. Todd Bostock is doing the sparkling. Gruet makes the fluffer. That's it. But it's canned. Oh, oh yeah. Gruet has. Yes, it's a sparkling one. He can get it. It's a sparkling moscato from New Mexico. It's at Hops and Vines. And so amazing. Before you're going to drink otherwise. Clearly. <laughs> Seriously though, you should try it. It's quite, it's quite it's tasty. Pretty, yeah, easy drinking. Um, and it does really kind of uh, add ass, you know, begin as a, a good way to start your palate for a party. Like I would really love nudge. to try to do like a truly authentic champagne-style white, you know, yeah. sparkling wine. Um, so would you use Arizona Chardonnay for that and do a Blanc de Blanc? Yeah, or yeah, Would you do a tweak on it and do like a Chardonnay If I could ever get my hands Vignet? on like Calibri Pinot Noir, you know, and, and you know, yeah. some Buell Chardonnay and actually do it. Wait, 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 wait. back up. They're, they're wait, growing? is there Pinot Noir in Calibri? In Calibri? Oh no, it was Bonita Springs, wasn't it? Bonita Springs. There is at, P- at Bonita, yeah. Bonita's and also, uh, isn't Pierce growing in it? He is. Yep. Michael a has little, some? Yep. A little bit. Uh, Peach Springs has some right here? Yep. Which I think is... Mm-hmm. The only place I've had a good... I, I did not get to try Michael Pierce's from Saculum. I missed the ball on that, and it's too late. Um, but for, in my experience, the only place where I've had a good, solid Arizona Pinot has been... Weirdly enough, Paul Chino Valley out of Del Rio Springs. Oh. And it was... I just heard that the other day, man. I had some guests in there that were saying the same thing. And it was on... I've had both of their Pinots. Where's that? Uh, just north of Prescott. Yep. So is it, is yeah, it yeah, more like the Oregon it's Deep Dark? No. It's French style. Oh, interesting. Like this... I had a, a Cote d'Or right. the night before I had the reserve, and I was like, this is like a fucking... Cote d'Or, you know, this is yeah. like a fucking red burgundy. Wow. Didn't curse in tasting room. <laughs> um, <laughs> internally. Internally, I'm like, holy fucking shit. I'm like, I never thought I'd have a good Pinot, and I'm very finicky about my Pinots, because Pinot is not my favorite thing normally, but I do like a good red burgundy. And I tasted it, and I was like, wow. Okay, so Arizona in a one part can do a really good Burgundian-style Pinot. Which is what I like. If you don't like a Burgundian-style Pinot, then obviously you won't like it. But I do highly recommend that for everyone. Um, They're actually going to be picking their Pinot Wednesday. Where are they? Uh, Chino Valley. Chino Valley. Okay. And And so it's called called Del Rio Springs. You can find their wines sometimes at um, Plaza La Cordelli. And I think Art of Wine in Sedona may sell one or two of their mm-hmm. vintages too. Like but, you know, definitely go to the tasting saying, room. Yeah. They're also planning on doing a Vignoles, which will be Arizona's first Vignoles. Wow. They're also growing a Grunewettliner. Oh. Nice. Yeah. Testing that out. Um, they have a Pinot Meunier vine that they tested out. What? Um, it's also growing Carmenera, and their Carmenera is very, very Chilean. How do we not know these guys? Where else can you say this, right? Like, where else cool is things. so wide open as Arizona? Mm. <laughs> Nowhere. It's, it's, it's I know, amazing. Arizona's like, let's throw all the grapes. Speaking of which, here is my, if I win the lottery, yeah. vineyard plan. Ormondugas Road. Ormondugas, uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. Ormondugas Road. I was driving back through there a couple days ago because... Uh, <laughs> 
Uh, last time I was really there was with my grandfather, who's passing away, or in the process of passing away right now, and so I decided that one of the things that he liked to do with me when I was little, you know, like, little, like, tiny, like, one, two, three, he would stick me in his backpack and just walk with me across the desert. Really? And so, you know, just wander and just point out cool things to me, and I'd be like, yeah, but I'm because, you know, you know Cody, that says a lot. You'd be like, holy fucking shit. It really does explain. That guy's got good calves. So anyway, you know, growing up, this is what he did with me, and, and he loved it. And then eventually, I'd collapse and fall asleep on his, you know, on his back while I was like two or one, and be like. Oh. But he loved that, and so loved being on him. That and so to honor him, I took a bottle. And he also was a home winemaker for a while, up until my grandmother said no. Um, when a couple of carboys exploded uh, of cherry wine that he was making. And according to my mom, my mom likes to tell the story of how the, the cellar smelled like cherries for the next ten years. <laughs> but anyway, so to honor him, I went out into the middle of the desert, out near Ormandugas Road, and had a bottle of prickly pear wine from Trident Winery, and uh, drank it out, drank a part of the bottle there by some petroglyphs that I found randomly in the middle of nowhere, because that was another thing he loved, was like looking at archaeological sites. So like, oh, well, shit, here's the perfect spot. And I just was sitting on this hillside and looking across the landscape, and I'm like, I could see a vineyard there, I could see a vineyard there, I could see a vineyard there. This, this would be a fucking perfect place to grow vineyards and vineyards and vineyards. And the water, you know, the water situation seems to be okay. There's a couple of creeks there, so the water table seems to be pretty high. Um, you would run into potentially frost issues, so you might want to do more hybrid varietals or cold tolerant varietals. Oh shit, there's the Georgian varietals I want to grow. Perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and Cab Franc, which seems to be the most cold tolerant Bordeaux. Oh darn, that's my, like my favorite Bordeaux other than Petit Bordeaux. <laughs> Cheers. I won't be able to grow Malvasia here, but eh, I'll, I'll live. Oh, I'm going to tell Malvasia that you said that. <laughs> well, my, my, my latest ex, she had a perfume that smelled like a classic Arizona Malvasia. Oh. And so when that relationship committed its apocalypse, um, it, it, it felt definitely apocalyptic. Let's just leave it at that. I, I couldn't drink Malvasia for like a month. It's true. It was horrible. <laughs> then Only that a feeling month. went away. <laughs> oh, yeah. Wow. But then I had the, the... That's a long time. He does get out. So for him for to Malvasia? not drink For me to not drink Malvasia, that's... I don't know. That's, that's, that's like... It's like horrifying. I apologize. It's like I didn't drink water for a month. Oh. It's like okay. I was sober for five days after that breakup happened. Oh. I didn't drink any wine for five days. Okay, okay, okay. okay. We had to coerce him at the tumbleweed dance party. Oh. Yeah. Or was it Fourth of July? I can't remember what. It was the Fourth of July. Coerced That's what it was. Him. Yeah. Yeah, we had to. Because it happened bar. just right over. The, also, more or less the weekend of my birthday too, which is also shitty. But mm. on the bright side, I now have my worst birthday out of the way. Perfect. And then there's a great new birthday next year. Oh yeah, I'm looking forward. 33 is going to be a big party. I'm going to make it a week long party. Good. Because, you know, I, I'm as old as Jesus. Yeah, good reason to celebrate. So, You're not as old as dirt. Not as old as dirt, but, yeah. It's all good. But the point is, it's going to be, my tentative plans for that are big party. Be like a week-long celebration with, with lots and lots of wine and probably a hipster varietal party during that intro. Yay. <laughs> but anyway, so I'm thinking my dream vineyard location would be somewhere along Ormandugas Road. Uh, and growing this because I think that that would be a really cool spot. Um, you've got the potential there in a similar climate. Um, what's his face from San Domingo? Similar soil, similar climate. 
further north, but about the same elevation and soil type. He historically was growing grapes. He was one of the first. No one has ever tasted any of his wines has told me what they were like, so I don't know, but we know it can be done. And I think it would be interesting to return to that that sort of origin point and, and explore that a little bit. And, of course, I would sell the fruit to you guys, so... Of course. Because... You mean you... It's, this is a lottery thing, right? Like yeah. Yeah, so you give us the fruit. Oh, yeah, because you already won the lottery. At a huge discount. At a very huge discount, at cost. Minor technicality. Sorry, sorry. I just, I just, I'd give it to you guys at cost. Everyone else would have to freaking pay full price for it. But, uh... Mostly because I, I don't... The growing part to me and the drinking part of the parts that I think really interest me the most <laughs> I've, I've found, weirdly enough, more than making. Um, but, you know, I also have had less experience actually involved in making it other than just, you know, throwing buckets onto a crusher to stemmer. I hadn't really done any of the yeast collection or yeast testing or choosing of yeast, you know, all that stuff, you know. A passion Jason does, which is good because I don't know anything. Um, so, and obviously he's doing very well because damn, those wines are getting better and better and better. Um, but for me, you know, in my experience, I think it's the growing and the and the harvesting and then the the ultimate result of drinking that interests me more than the making. So I probably have someone else make my wines for me, either on site or ship them somewhere to be my IE somewhere in the Verde. Point I would be good and do quirky things and potentially listen to, hey, let's turn this year's partial harvest of Malvasia or Riketsley, which is actually a very common amber wine in Georgia. Like, let's do this all amber wine. Here, I'll buy some amphora for you. Let's all do it Kaveri style. Or we already have amphora. We just need to fix them. Well, here's money for and two more big, and to fix big it. big hole <laughs> if we're going to bury him. You know, Cody, you've referenced a couple times now how you don't have a lot of experience with, with making wine. Mm -hmm. um, I think it's really, really important to point out that it's people like you guys that make the wine. You guys are the ones that make it so that we can make the wine. Mm -hmm. Your podcasts, mm -hmm. you promoting local small businesses, taking care of us and taking time out of your schedule to do things like this. You guys buying it, drinking it, enjoying it, and talking to your friends about it, that's what makes the wine. Yeah, I mean, uh, so thank you. Yes, thank you so much. Yeah. Young wine monk. <laughs> yeah. and Young grasshopper. To expand on that, I mean, uh, when I started the program at Yavapai College, um, I was living in Prescott, and I had not committed yet until uh, it was kind of towards the end of the first or middle of the second semester. But what made me move here in the first place was seeing how the wine industry treats each other across the board. Uh, even if, you know, owners might butt heads uh, on the street or in the tasting room, uh, you can walk into any tasting room. If you like X wine, whoever's behind the counter will say, oh, if you like this, you should go across the street and try this wine. Yeah. And then you should go over here and try this wine. And, and there's no... If there is anybody butting heads, it's it's not on the street level, not on the on the, the customer consumer level. Um, it's all behind the scenes, and everyone is supporting everyone else, uh, and that's what made me move to the valley here. Yep. Yeah, and we're then, such a community. You know, I was well, yeah. And on that note, I feel like the people that are are uh, what drama there is is often over exaggerated yeah. for mm -hmm. articles. Right. That's you, Richard. 
my Rayolus at the Rhine Rider, Rhine Rider for the Arizona Republic, who consistently call out session. He probably doesn't listen. Forget you, Richard. <laughs> no, no. I, I, and this is just my opinion. I feel like he's exaggerating a lot of these dramas in the Arizona industry for ratings, and I think that that's ultimately counterproductive. Because, again, as you've pointed out, what you've seen, what we've all seen working in the industry, what you've all seen visiting tasting rooms, yeah. you know. You know, you'll go to, you know, whoever's at Stronghold and, you know, you like the the Dalo Chardonnay. Oh, we'll go over to Burning Tree, try, right. you know. Exactly. Or if you like that, then go up to Passion for the Hell's Half Acre, which is a Viennier take on this. It's really cool. You know, I feel like what he's doing in some ways is counterproductive and, and poking at the little dramas and going, look, 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 Eridus is fighting. Or look, look. Glomsky and Maynard are at it again. And it's just like, dude, who fucking cares? Well, at the end of the day, let the wine speak care? for itself. Yes. At the end let of the, the day, people nobody does. Drink. I don't even know who that person is, and I don't care to know who that person is. But we, I have been here for three years, and I will see a face in one tasting room. And six months later, I'll see that face in another tasting room. Or I'll see a vineyard manager at one vineyard who is now making wine for himself and has opened his own wine tasting room. And nowhere do I feel like the person that brought that person up at their vineyard is at all angry with them for leaving and making yeah. their own wine. Yeah, if anything, I feel like yeah. they're proud yeah. that they have built that person up and they I taught you well, young grasshopper, and I'll go out yeah. on your own. Yeah. Yeah. I, that's what I truly feel. And yeah, yeah. there there's some things in the background, but it's so minimal compared to Especially the family-oriented feel that is in this community. Yeah. And that's why yeah. we And that's one of the reasons why I love it, is yeah. that everyone's... You touched on that in the very right. beginning. Because yeah. yeah. Oddity Wine Collective is the, is the perfect example of it. It I is. Say it is. If I won the lottery, I'm not yet a winemaker. Maybe if I've learned from them long yeah, enough, maybe I'll do it one day. Um, but I am a comic book collector, and I would produce an Oddity Wine Collective comic book. <laughs> oh. I would love to see that. would be awesome. <laughs> they have these comic superpowers. I would right? love technology it. Technology and viticulture <laughs> superpowers. But By our powers combined, we are Captain Tanat. <laughs> Like Dave's yeah, is yeah. a superhero, right? Like Aaron's obviously he's a fruit superhero. Can Dave Rudy, have a I really big pencil? Is the last superhero? <laughs> I followed her through the whole she time. Say that. And then she can have a really big eraser. Oh, <laughs> and you can cancel each other out and amplify. <laughs> 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 My Fiona, I can walk. Or have a really big pen. Cool. Cody Vladimir Burkett, the Arizona Wine Mug, or How I Learned to Stop Worrying and Drink the Wine. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And on that note, gang, see y'all. Yeah. Thank you again, guys. Thank you again Thanks for, for our fine folks. Thanks for joining us. We're at the Vineyard Bin and Breakfast. All the way from England for the podcast. <laughs> Thank you very, very much, Oddity Wine Collective, for uh, indulging my my constant pastorings. To, hey, let's do a podcast. Hey, let's do a podcast. Hey, 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 listen. When are we gonna? When hey, do we listen. get to do a podcast? Hey, listen. Hey, listen. <laughs> Is that free? No, that was me. Oh. <laughs> that was me quoting Navi from Zelda. So. But Bree was also quoting me, so <laughs> I would 
I was be like, hey, so what are we going to do a podcast? I definitely want to thank Cody for coming out and making all the video game references throughout this podcast. Have you ever had a podcast topless before? Cody? Oh, no, I never have. I think it's I think it's Wait, say that again. No, I think the towel counts as a cape. Yeah, I think so, too. I want everybody to know, Cody does not have a shirt on, but he still has his bowler tie. And I want everybody to know that I have a great picture of Cody topless. If you want it, I can sell it to you for a minimal cost. It's a nominal fee. I'm gonna frame that it might well end up being the freaking photo for for this podcast, actually, because that was a good photo. Yeah, you need to send that to me. I'm sending you that photo. Because that was great. <laughs> All righty, gang. Now we're officially done. Cheers. Cheers, guys. Wait, wait. Gummer Jaws. Yeah,